0: Are listening to Into the Comics Cave with your host, comic book heartthrob, Grant Stoy.
1: All right, thank you for coming to uh, Hockey Talk in America. Uh, I'm your host, Grant Stoy. Uh, with me tonight, we have two gentlemen who you may remember from uh, a little project called The Wailing Blade. But they are reunited uh, for this one called Happy Hill, we've got Joe Mulvey and Rich Duick.
2: Hello, gentlemen, how are you both? Fantastic, fantastic. Only because you are such a hockey enthusiast, I feel good about this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We all hate Brian Marchand, and I know he's listening to this, so I want him to know, I hope he gets a Zamboni to the Uh, (laughs) a-hole. I wish him nothing but bad things and all the bad things. So this is gonna go great, I'm very excited. But it's your hot your hot hockey take?
3: I like the Rangers because Joe has uh, season tickets and <laughs> invites me to games every now and then. We go there, uh, we
2: drink beer, we have fun. Yeah. It's yeah. Good stuff.
3: I have no <laughs> idea though. Like I'm not like a not a sports guy. At you, play play you cheer
2: when the team's doing well. When we're booing, yeah. you're booing. It's good. That's, That's it, yeah. by numbers.
3: Let's Rich have some beers.
2: Size to him; he's a big, tall guy. So, like you know, when you see him go, boo, people just I don't even paying attention. Like, uh oh, something <laughs> didn't go right. I'm too little to really have an effect on the crowd, but Rich, Rich is carries. Well, guys,
1: here's the thing: I want to know where you each grew up, and I'm going to start with Joe.
2: Uh, I grew up in Queens, New York. If my accent didn't give me away, <laughs> I'm the opposite Peter Parker. I uh, stayed. With with my aunt and uncle, but uh, I never shot above my grade or anything good happened to me. So what happened was, uh, they didn't die and they just stayed at home and took out. Um No, but I grew up in Queens. I uh, went to school here. Um, still live here. Love New York. Love Queens, even in its current iteration. And, uh, that's it. And I'll I'll let Rich tell his story. But weird thing, we didn't realize this until. What like we, we? Oh, we were going to third. We were, dri- we were
3: driving up to Assigning in. Uh, oh no, NASA. in New England. Yeah, New England. And
2: we found out that we went to the same college, uh right around the same time. But he's a little older than me. So, same yeah, department. In same, majored in the same department. Knew all the same people. Because oh, I grew up,
3: wow. I grew up, I grew up in Queens too, a nicer part of Queens than Joe grew up in, obviously. But. Burn. Uh,
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I grew up like. Joe grew up in like the southern part of Queens. I grew up in the in the northern part, so you know different high schools, different like schools and everything. But we both kind of wound up at Queens College um, around the same time in the drama department. Uh, I think Joe, you were like doing um, like the, design. I was building like, design, like stage build, mm-hmm. stage building and stuff like that. And I was actually taking acting classes, um, which was pretty fun.
2: I took um, intro to Mime. I'm not going to lie. It's on my. <laughs> and I nailed it. OK. A yeah. plus plus. So I it's like we, them do them. A lot of, we do a
3: lot of the same teachers, a lot of the same people, but like we didn't really hang out when we were in college. Like we didn't, I had no idea Joe was there at the time. It's pretty funny. You were the
2: actors and we were the ones that <laughs> get off the stage so we could put the screens that so we can do the work. Yeah. We were never um, deigned,
3: to, deigned to notice you people. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Calling everyone Horatio. Stop it.
1: <laughs> I just imagine you in like a big fur coat while like Joe's trying to hammer up. Always she's always in the an
2: unlit cigar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, what was so you guys were into the arts obviously if you're doing theater stuff. Did that mm-hmm. start in, in high school then?
3: No, for me, um, basically uh, I went to Bronx Science, which is like this weird specialized school uh in new york city it's like uh you have to take a test to get into it and then it's like really science intensive so i wound up going to college for a year at um the school called rpi which is an engineering school upstate and flunking out completely (laughs) (laughs) because i just drank way too much uh smoked a lot of weed and uh that sounds it's like success to me. Hardy, way too <laughs> that hard. Sounds great. Way too hard yeah. to like hold down like an engineering degree. So basically, kind of what I realized was I really liked imagining and like speculating about like science fiction things, uh actually doing the the math and, and all the engineering to kind of make those kind of things reality was not so much me. So anyway, so I come home, my parents are thrilled, obviously. <laughs> And uh, so I go to Queens College because Queens College, it's like it's a community college, but it's not like a it's part of the CUNY system, but it's not a community college. So it's like um, you actually have to like interview to get in and stuff like that. And so I I went to the admissions office and I was like, hey, here's what I did. Uh, But, you know, I'm actually like, yeah, I got it out of my system and I'm ready to, you know, buckle down and, and do it. And. So they were like, okay, you could take like a few credits and if you do well in the classes, like we'll let you come full time next semester. So I was just like, all right, well, let me take some classes that will probably not like stress me out too much, you know? So, <laughs> so one of the ones that I took was intro to acting cause I figured how hard could it be? You know, you get up on stage, you scream some lines and, and like it just seemed like a smart move. So, so I'm sitting in the class and, um, this woman comes in and she's like, she just like addressed the class. She's like, Hey, like we're putting on, we're putting on a big production of um, I think it it was called Dr. Faustus was the play and we need extras. We need like a lot of people. So if you're interested, you know, you can get credit for it and blah, blah, blah. And you should, you know, just come down to the auditions. And um, so in Dr. Faustus, there are there's the seven deadly sins are characters right she comes up to me and she's like hey she's like we had a lot of trouble casting uh one of the seven deadly sins gluttony, because i'm a big guy got a big belly which you know <laughs>
2: yeah you it's look, not you the look fantastic i don't want to hear this or
3: whatever song. but so she's like you know I, I i think you should come and read for the part and i'm like i've never acted in my life she's like we just need somebody like you know even if you're like we will we'll help you like you know she was like the stage manager and and i went and you know did we did like a table read and uh it went really well like uh, the director liked me he actually gave me that part and another part like another small part so um so that that was just kind of like something like most things in my life that i just kind of fell ass backwards into and uh (laughs) you know wound up enjoying it so like throughout my whole time at queen's college I, i was taking like drama classes and acting and plays. And then like when it came time to graduate, I was looking at like what majors I qualified for because I kind of like bounced around a lot and I was like, okay, well, I was like, if I, all my acting stuff, I can, I can can get out of here with like a drama and communications major. So that's what I did.
2: Oh, that's wild.
3: Yeah. Joe, what
2: about, what about you? I went to the same, uh, accredited college. i don't know if this is a video show you do or just a podcast
1: (coughs) podcast
2: okay great i'm gonna tell for everyone listening the look on my face uh when he said i had an interview to get in the school i'm like did i (laughs) (laughs) i don't really remember that as much i mean i i could have i'm sure they, you know but i just remember going there like burning through like a year and a half or two years of taking all the classes you have to take and then i'm like all right what am i going to take and i took like a bunch of art classes and studio classes like all right i'm gonna learn stuff with charcoal and paint and all this kind of stuff and then they start bringing in the nude models and i still many years removed from college i still don't have the uh, decorum for that and then <laughs> you know i just kept bringing everything back to comics like yeah i would draw like you know Rodan, but Rodan, like, you know, is if Todd McFarlane or Jim Lee drew him, and I would get yelled at constantly. And then I had my, I I had a double major, sorry, sorry, Rich, double major. Oh, wow. Theater tech design and uh, studio art, which comes with an immediate application for a coffee shop uh, or a movie (laughs) theater in the area. And... When I did that, I did like this huge charcoal thing. I wish I would have kept it now. And it was like a Batman mural that was like, I think 18 feet by what it was. Holy shit. Dope. Pardon me for dating myself by that, but it was, I remember being like, look at this insane. Like it's like, and the light and the charcoal. And I would come out of there and the disgust that the teacher had looking at this thing. She was like, that's not art. That's not that, you know. So I, I, but I enjoyed that. it kind of reinforced my my love of comics and being like, "Mm, really? Because like, you know, this guy Todd McFarlane just bought like a ball for a million dollars. So I'm pretty sure (laughs) some people can do okay with, you know, with that. But yeah, but no, I just kind of did the same as Rich was falling ass backwards into uh, comics. And I I, I literally was drawing, uh, what do you call it? Like a placemat at a TGI Fridays and someone saw me doodling on it and they just happened to work at a, subsidiary company of Hasbro. And they were like, Oh my God, we need someone who could draw backgrounds for toy packages. Like, you know, do you have a portfolio? Do you have whatever? And at the time I had graduated college and I was uh, doing extra work in movies to like, you know, start making money, still living at home. Uh, and then I was like, sure. And then I went in and uh, that I interviewed for Um <laughs> You do recall that. Yes, sure. that I recall. Uh, and it was uh, I, like, I don't know how familiar you are with all of comics, but like, uh, there was a lot of people in there that were um, that later went on to to kind of do a lot of great things in comics, like uh, Ryan, uh, uh, writer Brian Edward Hill, um, who wrote like um, a lot of stuff for Top Cow. He just wrote Batman and the Outsiders. Um, he writes for TV and movie. He he was in the studio, Nelson Blake, uh, who draws from Marvel, A.W.A., um, just a whole bunch of companies. And he's like a beast artist and he's great.
3: Masato in there
2: oh yeah chris sotomayor who's uh oh wow colorist you know like extreme he's like one of the best in the industry for decades plus uh and just a lot of people like like i'm, I'm leaving names out like stephen harris who worked recently for dc and stuff so like i was just kind of lucky to fall backwards into a place that like it was a studio where they were all doing stuff like uh gi joe and and, and hot wheels and like coming up with toy lines and stuff and i and I kind of, you know, started the journey to to doing more comic stuff there. I had always been a fan. I always obviously uh, drew comic stuff, but like that was a place where like I would go there and like show stuff, and people were like, "Nope, that's trash. That you're you're just drawing lines for the sake of drawing lines." Like, go look at animation. Go look at these books. Go look at blah blah, and that like really helped like kind of transform me into being a better artist. Oh, that's wild. So you you read comics when you were younger then? Uh, I did. I like I had like that period where I think. Like I picked up, I picked up like a what if that was the first comic I ever mm. picked. and, and it was like, I was coming back from like baseball. I was on a bike and I was just like, I got to get a Gatorade. And then I went into the store and I was like, I saw the spinner rack and I was like, it was a picture of like, uh, Inferno Wolverine. And it was like, and I know it wasn't of the time. Cause it was like, I tried to get like the next issue thinking it was like, you know, uh, sequential. And they were just like, Nope. Cause I bought the next one. And it was like, I don't know what if, Thor was a frog. I forget what it was, but I was just like, this is not the continuation of that. You know, I didn't understand what a one shot was. So then I just started picking up uh, like, I think spawn was out at that time or whatever. And I was like, what is this? And then like, it, you know, melted my brain where I could, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Because I, now that if I look back on it, like, it's like, kind of like, you know, the, the original stuff, you know, like, but then it had like a Tim Burton vibe to it with the way McFarlane works, whatever. And then it just hooked me hooked oh, me yeah. completely. And then, you know, you, you start going to like college and high school and you, you kind of dip in and out and stuff. But oh. I always love to draw based on like checking out comics. And Rich,
1: yeah. what about you? Did, did you read comics when you were growing up?
3: Yeah, I did. I mean, I, you know, I, I like grew up in a time when, you know, you could go into like seven and, 11 and pick up a few, like on the spinner rack or go to like a corner store and stuff. And they were just there. So like that 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 was kind of like my like my weekly thing. I remember we would like kind of go do errands with my folks like you know like we would do grocery shopping and do pick up, you know like go do the laundry and the laundromat and stuff like that and and then that was kind of like the the treat like if I didn't like make their lives miserable it was like yeah here here's a few <laughs> dollars run down the corner and get some comics and that's like you know and then I would like read a bunch i think like the first ones i really remember are like like claremont's like uh x-men like like around the inferno original inferno era i remember a bunch of old like uh bill mantlow hulk and uh ghost rider um and some you know dc stuff too like i would pick up like superman and batman and stuff like that right um but yeah like I, i wasn't really like reading to like become like you know with the eye to like becoming a writer it was just like i just i just loved like comic books like i thought they were they were really you know really cool and um like when i think about it now it's like they were like also like weirdly like more like literary than like books like aimed for like kids the age that i was like there were like words in there that like i like would have to like look up to like understand like what they meant and stuff whereas like you know if i was reading like what was like at my like age level like it would have been like you know Dick and jane like go up <laughs> but, you know like stuff like that so so i always thought they were like really you know great stuff for kids and then like like joe said like you know you you go to high school you go to college you start getting interested in and in other things so you kind of dip in dip out but like i had a, i think like high school was probably like I, I wasn't reading all that much but then like when i started going to college I would just like go hang out at like the comic store, like I had a pull list and stuff. And yeah, just kind of got back into it. And then um, for a lot of years, I, I still wasn't really kind of like looking, thinking like as, of writing comics as like something I could do. Like I always thought of it as like something that would be would be really cool. Oh, I would love to do that. I would love to do that. But I never really kind of uh, got myself there. You I didn't know how to write a script or any, any of that kind of shit. So it wasn't until like a few years later when I had been like uh, working for a while, I was, I got a job working at at an advertising agency and I was like doing stuff like that and, and doing writing there and and kind of just realizing that like writing was something I could actually do that. I, I started like really looking into how to write comics, you know? So I took a couple of classes at, um, comics experience just to kind of get script writing down and then uh took a couple of those short stories and you know just I went online and, and found an artist for a couple of them and sent them out got the art back and then when I went like once that art started hitting my inbox of like something I wrote and like seeing it like come to life I was just like hook every spare penny I have is going go to uh, go towards <laughs> paying artists to draw draw my scripts
1: (laughs) number one dude that is like i can't imagine what crack is like but i assume it's something like that we're like oh this is so good like all the endorphins just kind of hit you at once yeah and number two it's cool that you did the, the comics experience thing it's a like that whole thing that annie schmidt's got is a really cool uh jumping off point for a lot of people
3: yeah i mean you know it's like you could like learn that stuff from like and he's a very good teacher and, and a very good like mentor uh he's been like a huge help to me over the years and stuff and it's like but you know like he wrote a book about like you know how to write comics so it's like you know you don't like if you didn't want to take the classes like you could you could like you know buy the book and and, and follow along and, and probably get there you could also probably read a whole shit ton of comic scripts and, and figure it out that way too but the great thing about the classes is that it kind of like Hold you accountable. Like, you know, like, like every week you got an assignment to turn in, you have somebody that you can ask questions to. And like, he's, he's always there to answer the questions and, and, and like really give you like that kind of personal attention that you're not going to get from like a book or anything. So I thought, I thought it was a great experience, you know, yeah, the great boring. comics experience.
2: <laughs> oh, it's, oh. Well <laughs> it's, true. it's like you work in advertising or something. I know, right.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Joe, what about you? Like you were working, uh, doing the art for, for like for toys and stuff. Like, how did you transition over into doing
2: comic stuff? Well, bottom line, I wanted to be less <coughs> successful. I said, what can I do to really, to really pull back on the monetization of any skills that I have? <laughs> and obviously, you know, once I got out of the adult film industry. uh as a as a a gripper that was it 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 means something different there but i i i I just kind of through the connections um that i made at that studio like i i really did like kind of start like getting into that and like also like you know doing advertising jobs doing like all kind of different um layout like storyboarding jobs and all that kind of stuff like it was a good place to to meet people, to meet connections. You'd have someone come in doing toy stuff and then they work with TV or they were, you know, like it was kind of very much all under the same house. To me, the only thing with comics is I think it's just the way my mind breaks down story. Like I've tried to write, period, but I've tried to write screenplays. I've tried to write other things. And for some reason, and Rich can attest to this, especially with Happy Hill, I, I just see something as like, as panels, as scenes, as... You know, like I see everything in the, in the, you break down a scene and then it ends on a cliffhanger. You turn, you know, like my, my mind just makes me want to tell a story in comic form. And I hope the more I get a chance to do it, the better I get. But I think that it's just, you know, it's just one job to the next, to the next, to the next. Uh, video game stuff, like it's all great, but there's nothing quite like doing a comic, doing a, it's almost like a compulsion. I would like, you know, Uh, the the people who do it understand it. Like, like there's nothing better to me as an artist personally, just for me and the creative side, not unlike the way readers enjoy or interact with the product, but like when I do a layout and then I'm like, Oh, that nailed it. That nailed it. Like, I can't wait. I'm so excited to draw that page to go and like, like, yeah, it's going to be a ton of work and I'm going to sit here for 12 and 14 hours and, you know, needle the shit out of trees, but it's (laughs) like, it's going to look so cool when it's done, like I I showed a page to Rich earlier today that was uh, a character getting um, uh, not so kindly checked out in Happy Hill. And it took me like a while, but man, once I did that layout and I was like, nailed it, nailed. Like that's, that's the way I wanted to look. That's like, and, and it's just really, really uh, exciting. And then the other side I love is like going to conventions when they exist. And being able to put that book in people's hands, or just have them come and seek us out and like want to talk about stuff, and and like have have a whole new appreciation, or just a whole new scope of the book through other people's eyes. Like I love the whole the whole process of it. Oh yeah. And
1: uh, to each of you, do you remember the first uh, like full-length comic that you helped produce?
2: Mine was attached to like a Hot Wheels toy yeah there was comics being put in the hot wheels toys so like yeah so like i had done like backgrounds and i think maybe i like helped with a character or two but like it was all done differently so there's a guy who did the cars a person who did the backgrounds person who did the you know it was like not the way you would do comics now (laughs) you know but when you have toy company money you're like no we're gonna get no one person could draw all that that's crazy so let you know um and i remember seeing that like for the first time like an entire book that I did all the backgrounds and I did, you know, like, um, and, and, and that blew my mind. And then like, you know, when you step up and you do it all yourself, is was a whole nother thing where you're like, oh, that's, you know, it's even more Herculean. Like, I don't think people really get how hard it is. Like when you see guys like Greg Capullo, uh, Mateo Scalera, I mean, there's a litany, like John Romita Jr. Just these people that just work monthly so well, nail it, nail it, nail it, keep going, keep going. It, it's, it's it's a lot of work to get good in, or just proficient at drawing stuff that you can tell a story convincingly. Um, it, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's what about bananas. It is, but it's fun. Like, you know, it, it it's very fun.
1: Rich, what about you? What was the first uh, full-length uh, comic that you wrote?
3: Well, um, it would be Gutter Magic, which was um, my first my first series that he wrote um like i said i was in comic experience and i had the idea for gutter magic and in my head at the time it was like going to be one of these things that's like oh it's gonna be like an epic you know 50 issue series that like uh <laughs> you, know, you know be writing for the rest of my life um but like the the class project was like um it was a five-page story yeah, you know, so so I was like, all right, well, I got the characters and I like the characters, so let me write, let me just write like a five-page story like with these characters, which I did, and then got uh, an artist, his name was uh, Jason Broody, to um, illustrate it. Did a great job. I think I actually wound up lettering that one myself. Oh, wow! Like, uh, yeah, like part like when I was in advertising, like part of the job was like. Uh, doing some graphic design so uh so i had learned like photoshop and illustrator and all those programs so like i was able to kind of figure out lettering with some online tutorials and stuff not very good lettering honestly like I'm, i'm nowhere near like like the caliber of like someone who actually you know does it and gets paid for it but it was good enough for like a first time out but then i had done i did a few more short stories like kind of in that same world like exploring like you know just kind of like one-offs with like the different characters that were in my head and then kind of once i i got confident enough i started working on like a longer form story which turned out to be the, the original gutter magic series which is like a four issue series and the funny thing was is since andy schmidt was pretty familiar with it he was starting to kind of just just starting to like kind of dip his toe into publishing like he's got CEX publishing now, which is like a full full fledged publisher. But like at the time he had worked out a partnership with IDW to to publish a few books that were being made like, you know, through 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 his classes and workshops and stuff like that. So he he asked me, he's like, would you be interested in, in doing better magic like through IDW? And I was like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I don't even think I like pause that long before like saying yes i was like yeah like whatever it is like let's figure it out um so we wound up doing a four issue four issue mini yeah and that, that was it it was it was uh brett barkley did the art uh jules rivera did the colors and uh Nick pine did the uh did the lettering and uh turned out great you know it was like it was just you know it was a lot more work than i i kind of uh thought it would be like in the start but it was it was it was it was worth it you know like it it was great like seeing it come to life and and i think you know for for a first series it actually turned out like really good like it was pretty well received by both you know readers and also like like peers that i would show it to you know like I i would like truck copies around to conventions and show them to people and you know so it was it was a good good calling card for a while there.
1: <laughs> and when do the the subsequent forty six issues of Gutter Magic? When are those coming out? Well, I
3: did do I did do four more a couple of years ago. I did like vol I did a volume two with uh, Source My Press a couple of years ago, um, and it's the kind of thing that's like I love the characters, and I have like you know stories in my head that I could tell like from now until the end of time. So it's like you know when I can get back to it, I, I will. And, and we'll see and then oh, that's cool yeah same thing with wailing blade like i have like a lot more whaling blade that i would love to tell along with my friend mr mulvey here mm. uh, it's just you know we wanted to do happy hill first there's probably a couple of other things that we're going to want to do uh, before we get back to it but uh you know we don't want to kind of leave anybody hanging so like we'll get back there someday
1: so that's a perfect segue because i wanted to ask you two guys like you're both young Turks out on the town doing creative stuff. How do you guys cross paths and start working on Wailing Blade?
2: Well, the two things are, are a little separate. So we cross paths and then Wailing Blade. Can't, it's kind like, of you know, <clears throat> like you meet someone and then you get married and then you have a baby. Hopefully, that's the way it goes. <laughs> so we met each other. Uh, I've told this story numerous times, but I, I, you listeners oh, okay. might enjoy it. I'll Dave, tell the first. You- I'll tell
3: the first part. You tell the second part. All
2: right, you go. Go right ahead. yeah So it was
3: like, <laughs> so it was New York Comic Con, like the. It was probably like 2011 or 12, something oh, like something that. that. Yep. Somewhere around that time, and um, I had I had like.
2: Hold on, it was 2011.
3: Yeah. Okay. 2011. My so wife I had was like-
2: pregnant with my first daughter. And I remember the day I met you, she was just going to the hospital because she had broken like several toes. Ah. Uh, and I was and you were like, Oh, I was like, Hey, good to meet you. Sorry, give me a second. I, like, yeah. Yeah. So there you So go. anyway,
3: I had like printed out like at that point, I think I only had a few gutter magic stories, but I, I had the shorts, but I had like kind of put them all together in like a book and, and made an ash can that I was just taking around uh just to show to people, you know. And um, I knew Joe was at the show with Comics Tribe, which is our publisher for Whaling Blade and Happy Hill. But at the time, I think Joe was like, had just done the first issue of Scam. And I just went to the booth and we were just like talking. You know, I thought he was a really nice guy. And, uh, and Joe was like, oh, well, we're having a drink and draw later. I'm uh, probably going to go get some some pizza and then like have some beers. Like, you should come. And I was like, sure, why not? And anything else going on? I kind of swung back by the booth, and we we all walked over to the drink and draw. uh We drew some stuff and got some drinks, and then I'll let Joe take over because. Well, this is, I kept I kept coming day.
2: over with a lot of a lot of drinks, and Rich <laughs> was going like, dude, like you got let me buy a ride. like you got to do whatever. I said no, you're kind of buying them all, and he goes, what do you mean I'm buying them all? I said, there's a guy at the bar now. The the caveat of the story is, David Wells is a uh, famous New York Yankees pitcher. Oh, like Boomer Boomer Wells? No, uh, no, 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 Boomer uh, David Wells. Like he was a heavy set guy. He was during the um the the time that the Yankees were on a tear, like in the 90, like the late nineties. He had retired by that time. But Rich with the the shaved head and and the such. So- he he bared a resemblance to David Wells. So someone at the bar stopped me when I was going up to get a drink and said, yo, excuse me, man, is that are you guys with David Wells? I said, yes, yes, I am. I said, but he's a little temperamental. Like you can't just go over there and run up there and ask him for a, a you know an autograph. He gets like pissy. I was like, he had a bad day. I'm just trying to get him some drinks. Guys like, no, 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 let me get it. So there was a lot of people with us at that drinking drawer, and and this person bought us like three or four rounds. I mean, it, it, several. Hundred dollars worth of drink just kept coming over. So I woke up to Rich the first time. Oh, no, not the first time, like second or third time. I said, Look, buddy, you don't have to worry about anything, but you might have to lie and say that you're David Wells. Come if the moment comes, I go, But just be cool about it, just be quiet, just be, you know, sign something if you have, don't worry about it. And then, um, and it's like, not like I had
3: like a World Series ring on my finger or right. anything.
2: Yeah, no, he didn't, but he was trying to be low key David Wells that night. You're not trying to big up it, you know, you're Midtown. <laughs> so, so he you know he was like all right as long as the, drink, as long as the drinks keep coming and i was like that's a good guy he's going along with the bit he's you know it's gonna work out fine and i had him sign a napkin and i walked it back over to the guy you know he was fine or whatever it all worked out well and then the yeah. next day he's telling people he's like you know we got like a bunch of drinks free because he told someone i was david wells i was like yeah that's it it's new york don't worry about it. Yeah. it's fine right, you tell that say that like, like, story that guy was like oh my god i met david wells
3: we're lucky that guy uh, is probably not into comics because we've we've told that story many many times. He's gonna like hear it on a podcast someday and be like track you down. And be the like guy that ran up and cat. shot
2: Reagan Hinckley, <laughs> or whatever. Like that's gonna be like we're gonna be like a convention signing. you guy's gonna be yeah. like, you owe me three hundred nine dollars, and that's how we met. So we yeah, just- and then
3: it's like I, I you know you got to like kind of respect uh, somebody. Will it'll like go with. uh go with a bit that hard i was just like all right we gotta stay we gotta stay in touch and uh you know because we both we were both living in new york and so we would hang out and uh you know i was working on gutter magic joe was working on scam um but then when uh when we were when we were both done with those respective projects and it was like oh what are you working on next i don't know what are you working on next i don't know we just got to talking and i think we were like hanging out in. um some bar in Brooklyn or something like that. And it was just like, I was like, I got this idea, whaling blade and uh, started like laying it out. And and then Joe, you were like, you were like, I'm in, I'm like, and It was just kind well, of I was like, well,
2: race. also I was, I was four or five rounds in, but I said, yeah, I, I don't really care for science fiction. I yeah. don't like <laughs> space stuff. I don't like, I'm not, I, I only saw star Wars for the first time a few years ago. I was like, you know what? It's way out of my comfort zone. I need that to grow and be a better artist. So let's do it. Yeah. But to to Rich's credit, it took me like months of like working on character designs and environment and architecture. Like I kind of went, I went a little bizarre, crazy with it.
3: Yeah. Um, But you went like, you went like above and beyond, like putting design work into like trees and grass and stuff. Whereas like, from my perspective, like if you had just like given me. If you just drew like regular trees i probably would not have even noticed that like you know like it wouldn't have felt like there was something missing but then like when you see the work that that you put into it it like it was just like mind-blowing you know like well that like, was
2: i mean um I, I know i don't think we've said this on a, on a show before but like that was all the research i had to do because i had no scope of i really hadn't see, i never saw blade runner i never saw like right. So like I never saw the I think I maybe I had seen I don't think if I've seen the original Conan, but I've heard the Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, three things that are important in life. And I apologize to <laughs> everyone who had to hear me do Arnold Schwarzenegger. I I just think that every accent I have, be it Irish, German, English, I all sound West Indian no matter what I do. I don't know <laughs> that's my default setting. But um and like at a certain point I was I was taking in all these things that Rich had cited as his inspiration, and I was like it just gets to be like, like it's the same. It's a gray tone here. It's a worn down castle. It's a this and that. I'm like, I want something different. And then that really is where also like Chris Sotomayor comes in because when I was like designing characters, I was shooting him over text and being like, how can we make this different? How can we make this cooler? How can we? And then when I finally came up with the visual of the sword, I was like, well, I've never seen a sword that's not straight. Yeah, Every that's what I was asking you guys about. Yeah, the, uh, like I must have done. Uh, a lot of versions of the sword and then all of a sudden I just did that one and just the awkwardness of the way it was and whatever I was like, I'm sold. Cause it was just different. Like at at the very least, anyone who's ever picked up Whaling Blade, like we had New York comic con obviously a few months ago here in in New York and, and, and comic Stribe did a beautiful hardcover collection. Like it's, it's tremendous. And I sold, we sold out of it quick. Like, and people were like, what is this? What is this? What is this? What is this? And they were like, asking me about like Final Fantasy. I'm like, never played it. They were asking me about like, you know, sword of some, sword of cyan. I don't know what it was. I was like, never played it. But they were like, well, where would you come up with this sword? And I'm like, because I've never seen one like it. Like, that, that's always my idea, like to try to be somewhat, you know, uh, new. Like I don't know, like, you know, or somewhat inventive with, with the space. And then like, I, I think that's why Rich and I work together well, because like, you know, he sets up the, the 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 sandbox and goes, "Okay, do something." I build a castle, then he, you know, comes around and builds a moat, and like we kind of <laughs> collaborate very well together. Well, how did that work in uh in Happy Hill? Pretty much the same way, except like I've had this idea for Happy Hill in my head for years, and and I and I will equate it more tastefully than I have before. It was like the 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 rock that you know a sculptor would bring out. And I was like, okay, I want the elbow to be here, I want this to be here, I want that to be here. And then Rich comes in and just whittles out the narrative (laughs) plot lines and goes, here you go. And I'm like, yes, that's it. Because I can't tell, we have like over at least another issue and and change of Happy Hill Drawn of this other subplot completely that Rich was like, "Mm, I don't think it works. Because originally I was writing and drawing it all myself. And I kept going back to Rich with every single – what do you think of this what about this what about this character what about... and at, at a certain point I'm like dude you've just brought so much to like uh being the mulvey whisperer where it's like I just sit there and like, <laughs> say crazy stuff and then he whittles it into like you know comprehensive thought and it and it really like what Rich has brought to the story is like invaluable and it's like all right well it's just ours now like that's it you know it's not it's 50 50 it's you and me and and, and let's go
3: yeah. Well, I mean, it's like it, it, it's it's tough sometimes because, you know, like Joe has like a ton of ideas, and they're all like generally like really good. You know, it's just a question of like, how is this going to fit into like fit along with everything else? And it's like, and is this the best way to do it, or is or should we think about it like this way? You know, should we should we should we do a or b, or you know, or are we going to be able to lock this whole plot line down in five issues along with everything else we want to say? So, and it's all my opinion. Like I'm not saying like I'm like right, and I'm not like give it to me, Mulvey. Like let me let me let me take this crap and make it good. It's more just just being collaborative and like having somebody to like bounce ideas off of because I have ideas and uh, to bounce off Joe that you know he doesn't like. So it's like it's it's not it's not like a one way street. It's just um it's just like both of us kind of just really taking like an active role in in like getting 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 all the plot down and the characters and stuff like that. And, and, you know, reining each other in when we, when we kind of go a little bit off on a tangent.
2: And neither of us are precious, which is nice. Like, yeah, I'm like, like go ahead, be as brutal as you want. Tell, like I'll, like I'll, I'll preface a, you know, thousand line DM sent to him with or complete shit. Just tell me, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't want to waste either of our time. What do you think about this? And then he'll either be like, that works really well, or mm, I don't really see how it fits into this narrative point. But I think Rich, I think described me once and I could be wrong. He said, working with me on this book is as if uh, someone made him chug half a bottle of whiskey, spun him (laughs) around in the dark and then made him do a thousand piece all white puzzle. And I don't know Mm. if that's a hundred percent true, but that man turns out genius no matter what. That's
3: it. It was not quite that bad, Joe. I I don't think I ever said that. Well, then I have to change the (laughs) code.
1: So, guys i'm curious about a couple things first off what right. do you think the other person's brain tastes like
2: oyster yeah big oyster
3: I'm kind of scared now because joe really likes
1: oysters
2: Love them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i wish this was a visual medium because <laughs> just an oyster rich's face just kind of dropped He's yes. like, oh, oh no
2: that's why i said it yeah
3: uh, Joe's Brain. Uh, I don't know. Guinness, I guess. I don't know. Like uh, beer. Yeah. By the way,
2: we have delicious brains. This yeah. And they go well together. You see yeah. what I mean? Guinness yeah. and Oyster, you're done.
1: So uh, to like, all of our cannibal listeners, get ready. This is... Uh-huh. When you find these guys together, it's going to be a treat.
2: And now, hold on. I'm going to tell you what yours tastes like. You what? look like a fella with a cinnamon brain. You look... like hmm mm-hmm. Not what it glaze, Just a regular... <laughs> round-the-stove, round the, round the stove, you know, potpourri-type dash of cinnamon. <laughs> not showy. Not a showy cinnamon. I mean, like, you know, a nice, earthy t- tone.
1: Well, I got a little worried that you're talking about – as soon as you said potpourri, I imagine, like, the uh, bathroom spray, like, after someone takes a huge dump, and they're like, ah, time for potpourri.
2: Let's be honest. Any spray will do that job in the bathroom. It doesn't <laughs> have to be potpourri.
0: Hello there. My name is Don Cardenas, and I'm here to invite you to check out my podcast, the 2021 grantee award-winning comics coffee medal where i interview creatives in around and about the worlds of you guessed it comics coffee and metal i've already had such amazing guests on my show including but not limited to liana kangas mike norton john o'diner michael conrad sophie campbell guitar max carlisle andrew Baina, and of course the word bros themselves bob and kevin comics coffee metal is available on all the major podcast services And you can find it directly at ComicsCoffeeMetal.com. I hope to see you there. And now I return you to Into the Comics Cave with the amazing, awesome, talented, um, tall, handsome, uh, what else did I say? Definitely over six feet tall. Smells good like lavender and motorcycle grease. Is that right? Motorcycle grease? All right. Grant story. There, I said it. Get
1: my money now? And now uh, I have the, the, the is this fucked up question. Are you ready? I, I am. So let's say both of you wake up. Okay. You are in your bedroom. Right. Uh, the only thing that's starting to be off-putting is you look down and you're completely naked. And standing by your dresser, pulling on your shirt, is an exact
2: copy of you. Okay. i kind of fucked up. Well, let's just, I know myself, right? So now, are we talking, this is just an, e- like, I don't know anything. This is not an e- evil doppelganger. I just have to start the conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. You're just buck naked in your bed, and there's a you putting on
2: your clothes. It's not a better me, right? Like, it's not a taller <laughs> me, but it's just a, it's just a me. Uh, aside- I think the first thing I'd feel Is if I could trust it And I know it would go do good things I'd feel relief Because I wish there was more than one of me At a time Because I feel like I'd get more done So then I could be like Okay, look, you go get the kids You go to Home Depot You take care of that phone bill I got a bunch of pages to draw I don't have time for this shit Like, <laughs> yeah, I'd be good with it yeah, I mean so My answer, I'm sorry For the, for the okay. formality of the question Not fucked up No Okay Okay
3: It'd probably be fucked up, like if we just banged or something. But um I don't know. like, uh, but even then, is like, did, did we bang or is that technically masturbation? I don't know.
2: Self-love is never wrong. <laughs> that's a really good question. What if he,
1: the other you finished pulling on a shirt and he then he lights up a cigarette and says, "Man," well, I'm not a fan. I was book. great. I'm
2: gonna tell you right now, deal breaker. <laughs> that's a deal. That's. That okay. No. So yeah, then going to stink <laughs> my feet. No, thank you. And it's my shirt. So that's even more messed up. Yeah, I mean,
3: I, I find it probably more fascinating than fucked up because it's like, you know, like where did this where did this person come from? Is it like a multiverse kind of thing? Is his universe better? Can I go there? I'm more yeah, intrigued. I think,
2: I think more multi- intrigued
3: than disturbed. I <laughs> yeah. guess if we're just like kind of.
1: So you were you also know. in the not fucked up camp.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's weird. Don't get me wrong. But fucked up? I don't know. I, maybe I have a different definition of fucked up.
2: Uh, what is your What is your take on this?
1: I already don't like seeing myself. So seeing another, like actual person, that would be fucked up. I don't want. I don't want any more me than there is. All
2: right. So just out of curiosity, we're keeping points. It's two to one. That's we win. This is clearly not <laughs> not F'd up. All right.
1: It's clearly not fucked up at all. all right, fair enough. And as we enter into the home stretch, uh, we're going to ask five questions that we ask every guest they're based off of james lipton's inside the actor studio which uh,
2: are you guys familiar with uh yeah here we were in acting school (laughs) okay intro to mime a plus (laughs) yes are are you going to act out your questions i just just for the people listening on audio yes i'm
3: in a box I thought wow.
1: you the
2: roof. I was like, going
1: I think you'd get a C plus in Miming for that
2: one. I'm sorry. You need tutoring and I'll help you. At Molly School of Mime. Number one. Uh what is your
1: favorite comic book sound effect? I don't
2: think anything beats uh Snicked, right? The the Wolverine like nail popping. Yeah, absolutely. I've always
3: been a fan of uh, Krakatoom. It's a long thing. It's usually I I I, I've seen it a couple of times. It's usually like Thor's hammer. You know, no, yeah, like when the Hulk is like punching something, Mm. or or like when when like a boom or a thoom is not gonna not gonna do it. You kind of got to add a kraka on there. Uh, I I just I think it's
1: kind of over the top and fun.
3: It's like uh, they use for like thun, like Thor's thunder, stuff like that.
1: Do you prefer if the cracka is small and the thum is big, or do they have to be similar size?
3: I'm not too picky, but yeah, I think I think the thum usually gets more emphasis because it's uh, you know kind of like the punctuation of the uh, the sound effect. Like if you think of it like a like a rolling kind of thunder. The cracka is like the build up, and then the thum is the boom. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I like that. And number two, what is something that each of you loves about sequential art?
2: Um, I, I love the ability to drive uh, the eye to where people think they're just reading the way they normally are, but the truth is <laughs> there's a, a visual language being done that you're completely unaware of. You know, mm-hmm. and I could you could see it in all, you know, even like comparable artists, but like the, the really good artists do it in a way where... You know the rendering the use of shadow the use of negative positive space it all makes your eye move through a page
3: i love like the magic that happens when you're reading sequential art it's like you're looking at like individual images but at least when i read it it's almost like if i'm really into it it's it's kind of like my brain is kind of filling in the gaps in between and it's almost like a movie like in my head you know and I think when when it's when it's done really well, it it's really engages you to like. You really get like sucked into the story in a way that you don't when you're just watching a movie or TV or, or or reading a book or something. I think it's like it's this weird like kind of middle place between something like a novel and something like a movie, where like where your brain is is doing a lot of like work to make it cohesive but it's like but it's a fun kind of work like uh so i just really love that part of it
1: wow. and of course on the other side of the coin is what is something you dislike about sequential art
2: how long it takes me to make it That's i'm getting you- faster i'm getting faster but um yeah I, I i i i will be kind and say that you know the the end products are coming out better and better. So I guess I'm headed in the right direction, but yeah, I wish, I wish there was, I wish I had that creepy me putting on a shirt in the morning that like, I could be like, dude, you do pages nine through 14 and I'm going to tackle 20 through 26. All of a sudden, Mulvey goes by monthly and the world is never the same.
3: <laughs> uh, Yeah. Like for me, it's kind of similar. Like I wish I could do it myself. You know what I mean? Like, not that I uh, dislike working with artists. I love working with other artists but there's just like i i always kind of wish i had a little better handle on like you know being able to draw like everything i draw winds up kind of not being up to any kind of like standard that i would want to like put out there so uh, I'm you know i could do a little better than stick figures but i just uh i just think it's like it's such a cool skill i would love to be able to like work more on it but it's like i also don't have 10 years to put in, like, doing that on top of, like, everything else right. that, you know, I want to do, so.
1: And uh, number four, yeah. what is your favorite curse word that isn't a curse word?
2: Flurple. It's a, it's a curse word I've made up with my kids that is, like, you're trying to say, like, you know, something that's bad. It's, like, flurple. And that's just what comes up.
1: I respect that. That's a good move.
2: You know what? Mm. It, it was necessary. You know, let plus my kids go to Catholic school. So we can't have that. You know, we can't have the shits and fucks flying fast and furious. It's gotta be very, very maintained.
3: I got to think about that one for a minute. Cause I, I actually curse a lot. So
1: that's, that's the thing. Like when I've yeah. people that, that, you know, enjoy cursing as one does, it's a mm-hmm. lot harder to think about like when you have to censor. And if you do have to censor, like, what do you say?
3: Hmm. Sometimes I'll be like mother father instead of motherfucker, and I always <laughs> think that's of <laughs> mother father. Like yeah, yep. yeah, that's a good one.
1: I'm pretty Let's soon, you're, yeah, pretty yeah. soon you're doing uh, Le- Big, Big Lebowski on TBS, when they're like, you never fight a stranger in the Alps.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or I always remember like uh, Channel Eleven. No, oh. yeah, like when the, when the Breakfast Club was on Channel Eleven, and uh, there's like when. Judd Hirsch and one of the others are like, like in the movie, it's like, fuck you, fuck you. And they're like, and I just remember like the
2: poorly dubbed, like,
1: flip you.
2: Flip <laughs> oh, I you. love forget you, forget yeah. you, forget, forget yourself. Yeah. I forgot your mother twice last night. Yeah. And I was and I'm like, what is, why would you forget someone's mother? Like, I remember as a little kid, think of that. Yeah. Who forgets someone's mother? You always know their mother. Why would, you, why would you forget the mother? You're forgetting my mother. I forgot your mother twice. Like, what?
1: Well, guys. I got some, uh, some bad news. Uh Oh, it seems as though the other yous are actually there to replace you. So while you're just reclining in bed, they come over and just put pillows over your faces and you're dead now.
2: That's how they're going to kill me. At least make it exciting. That's, that's what I'd be. I'd be so disappointed in my other self that's how they decided to kill me. So you're you're
1: naked in a bed being suffocated by what might be a clone and you want more
2: exciting? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the pillow ain't going to do it. Like I I know all my <laughs> weak spots. I'm hitting the left knee. I'm hit. like I'm going uh, I'm assuming we have the same advantages and- <laughs>
1: <laughs> So you guys are dead, I'm sorry to say, okay. and you are in uh what we supposed to be having. You are greeted at the gate by a small, surly man named Jacob Kurtzberg, aka Jack the King Kirby. Mm. What do you think he
2: says to you? I'd love it if he said, "Go back and do it again." You know, <laughs> give me a little, give me a little attaboy, and send us back down. Um, what I think he would say is, "Better luck next time, asshole." Get on, <laughs> enjoy the crowd.
3: Yeah, I told you they'd break your heart. Like, uh, oh,
2: yeah, oh. but he means doppelgangers. Yeah, That's what really means <laughs> <out>. <laughs> never
1: trust a doppelganger, kid. I yeah. mean, I,
2: I literally would just walk the rest of my eternity being like, I can't believe I died in my own version of Clone <laughs> Saga. I want to die, I want to die all over again. Send me down. Oh, uh, well, guys, thanks so much for joining me. Where can uh, folks find you on the socials? Uh, I just started a new website called watch out for those fucking doppelgangers.com. <laughs> so you're more than welcome to find me there. If not, uh, I'm Joe Moles, J-O-E-M-U-L-V uh, on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, all that stuff.
3: Yeah, and I'm uh, R. Duick on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I think on Facebook, I'm Rich Duick, but I'm not really on Facebook that much. So if you want to find me, I'd say come find me on Twitter or on my, on my website, rduek.com, I have a newsletter you can sign up for. Uh, I do my best to send it out every every couple of weeks just to keep people, you know, prized to like what I'm working on or, you know, talk about some behind-the-scenes stuff. And, uh, yeah, there's not that many rdueks out there in the world. So uh, if you, you, you see that spell for people listening probably, to me, yeah, r-d-o-u-e-k. Yeah, you said it very one. nicely. Like the weird one, so I'll say one more time. Elegant. You can write it down: R D O U um, E K. And yeah, that's
1: right. Where, where where can folks uh, get their grubby little mitts on Happy Hill?
3: At your local comic store. Find local comic, find, yeah. Find local comic shops. Store. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, I will say that we like uh, I've spoken to a, a healthy amount of retailers, and a lot of people are having sellouts, which is really cool to to hear uh our publisher is a, a smaller publisher but it's i mean the book is pick it up if you even see it like just pick it up and flip through it it is a higher card stock it's a higher quality book um print wise than a lot of books out there so i, I guarantee you, you just get it in your hands and flip through it and you will not be disappointed from mm-hmm. cover to cover
3: that being said if you do not have a comic shop convenient to you uh there's a whole bunch of great stores that you mail order uh, Third Eye Comics uh, does uh, has a great mail order system. We're actually going to be doing a signing there next week. Um, they have their own retailer exclusive; it's a cover you can only get there. Um, but they'll be happy to drop it in the mail for you. Um, you know, Hometown Midtown Comics they do they do a bunch of mail order too. So um, you know, you you can definitely like uh, find the book through through comic stores one way or the other. And and you know, we we really like to support retailers so that's the way we prefer you pick it up but uh, if you can't don't happen to find it in the shop um you might be able to find it um you know ebay or something or uh maybe even amazon and i believe i believe you can get a digital copy on comiXology if that's how you roll so well,
0: there well, you thank go thank so much
1: guys we appreciate it <laughs>
0: This has been a Comic Book Yeti production. You can find new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Anywhere Podcast Stream. For more information on the Comic Book Yeti, please visit ComicBookYeti.com. And for more of Grant, visit GrantStoy.com or on Twitter at GrantAndStuff.